Shalom. We've been looking into the book of Genesis for much of this year. We've come a long way. We are past the two-thirds mark. We have looked at the lives of the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And today we come to one of the most inspiring stories in the Bible, the story of Joseph, a life of faith. Shall we go to God in prayer? Our oh, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your precious word to us, your word which is living and active and powerful. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of our heart. We commit our time to you as we look into your word. We come with expectant hearts to hear you speak. Remove all distractions from us. Give us attentive ears and obedient hearts as we turn to you now to teach us from your word. In Jesus' name, Amen. I love music. I've been listening to all kinds of music lately just to entertain myself in this lockdown. I especially like music by Andrew Lloyd Webber. You may know the name. This great British composer is famous for many of the best loved Broadway musicals like Cats, Phantom of the Opera, Sunset Boulevard and many more. He was so inspired by the story of Joseph in the Bible that he made it into one of his musicals. And that musical is called Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. A real mouthful, a tongue twister. Not so easy to say it right the first time. But I think he sure got one thing right. He got us thinking and wondering, who is this Joseph? And what is so amazing about his dream code? I'm sure you are all familiar with the story of Joseph in the Bible. You may have read it yourself, heard it from Sunday school or listened to a sermon like this. You will remember that there is this young man His name is Joseph, and he goes about his life in a coat of many colors. When I think about Joseph, I think about his colorful coat. All those splendid colors that come to mind. And that is what makes him come alive for me. But then the story of Joseph is not so much about his colorful coat. It is actually all about the man behind the coat, a young man called Joseph and a man of great faith. Joseph's story is one of the most inspiring stories in the Bible. It is a remarkable story of a life of faith. The Christian life is a life of faith. 
Faith is a gift from God. You know, we just cannot work up in ourselves enough faith to believe even if we wanted to. We need God. Someone has defined faith this way. Faith is trust. And trust is relying on God for the future and obeying even when we don't fully understand everything. The life of Joseph is a great example of that. Joseph didn't fully understand all that was going on in his life. He didn't fully understand everything, but he continued to trust the God who does. I like to draw three points from his life story. One, faith demands doing what is right. Two, faith believes when others don't. And three, faith holds on when life gets tough. Now firstly, faith demands doing what is right. Our passage in Genesis 37 verse 1 starts off with, Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. You will well remember Jacob had run away from his brother Esau after cheating him of his father's blessing. He had run to his uncle in Haran and he lived there for 20 years and in that time he raised his own family. He now returns with his family to Canaan. Jacob, like so many other families at that time, had a large number of children. We are now introduced to Joseph in verse 2. Joseph was a teenager, a young man of 17. He was tending the flocks with his brothers. Now, Joseph was probably a small boy when Jacob returned with his family to Canaan. But he has now grown up into a teenager old enough to take on responsibility as an adult. He was tending the flocks with his brothers. Notice here, it is Joseph who is tending the flocks. Joseph who took charge of the flocks, Joseph and not his brothers. Joseph was the one looking after the flocks. This little detail seems so trivial at first, but it's a point worth considering. It's not something we should quickly gloss over. It's something important. The text is saying something significant about Joseph. Now, though Joseph was a young man, much younger than his brothers, Jacob has chosen to put him in charge. Jacob has not chosen any of his older sons. He specially chose Joseph over his older brothers he has now made him commander-in-chief, if you like. Jacob actually had more than one wife. These were all Joseph's half-brothers. And Joseph picked 
And Jacob picked Joseph as his favorite. Because Joseph was daddy's pet, his brothers naturally didn't get along with him. And they not only didn't get along with him, they hated him. And we are told Joseph brought to their father a bad report about them. This bad report about the brothers is here for a reason. And I think it's for a good reason. Before we go away thinking bad about Joseph, that he was a naughty boy, he was up to some mischief, he was somehow scheming to get his brothers into trouble with the father, let us take a closer look at the text. All it says is just this. He brought their father a bad report about them. We are not told what the complaint was about, but we can be sure nothing in the text suggests any of those things we may be thinking about Joseph. It's clear that he knew his brothers had done something wrong, and it is only right Daddy should know about it. I don't think there's any bad motive on his part. Joseph was simply doing the right thing. You know, it takes courage to do the right thing. It isn't, isn't easy to report something bad about someone. And I think it becomes even trickier if that person is older than you or he is your family. Sometimes we may all face opposition in our life, not because we are doing something wrong, but because we are doing something right. And you know, Deep down, you know you are doing the right thing. Because faith demands doing what is right, not what is easy. Sure, the easy thing to do is to turn away when someone does something wrong. It takes courage, real courage, to report bad news. No one likes bad news. But we badly need people like Joseph who will speak up. People of integrity. People who are upright. People who will not make compromises. People we can count on for calling out what is wrong and will do the right thing because they strongly believe it's the right thing to do. I know firsthand what that is like. I used to work as an auditor, an internal auditor within a group of companies. And I got to travel the country extensively. I audited the books of these companies, uh, which were run by uh, CEOs, uh, 
who were powerful in their own ways. Often I came across irregular practices in their companies. I came across all sorts of creative accounting, cooking the books, as they call it, false invoicing, and even outright fraud. And I had this unenviable task of having to bring these bad reports back to my boss. I was convicted I was doing the right thing. I couldn't compromise. My faith demands it. I just couldn't turn a blind eye to what was going on, pretending that nothing had happened, even though it could have cost me my job. I can relate to Joseph in a way. He carried out his task faithfully and Jacob trusted him. I think that's the reason why he appointed him to take charge over his brothers. Jacob could count on the young man to do what is right. Our second point, uh, faith believes when others don't. Now, Joseph believed God was speaking to him through dreams. God gave him not one dream, but two. Both dreams were different, but they had one same message. That's how Joseph knew God was speaking to him. You may ask me, does God speak to us through dreams? I say he sure can. I know I've had dreams, but not the ones like Joseph's. I'm not Joseph. What's important is this, whether through dreams or not, we've been given the Word of God and God speaks to us through His Word. Verse 5, Joseph had a dream and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brother said to him, Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? You see, they didn't like what they heard. The brothers couldn't believe their ears. Surely this can't be. How could Joseph, our little brother, claim he will rule over us? So this made them hate Joseph even more. Now this was reported, uh, repeated in the second dream, verse 9. Listen, I had another dream. And this time, the sun and moon and eleven stars were bowing down to me. And he not only told his brothers, but also his father about this second dream. 
Jacob understood what all that had meant, and Jacob pondered it in his heart, but he was slow to believe. It was different for Joseph. He recognized it was God speaking to him through the dreams. This second dream was a confirmation to him. Did he know what was going to unfold? Surely not. But he believed and trusted God to lead him. Now, Oswald Chambers, that great Scottish preacher, once said, Faith never knows where it is being led, but it loves and knows the one who is leading. And God is the one who is leading Joseph. Joseph seemed to understand this. And Joseph believed even when his family didn't. Joseph trusts God about his dreams. He not only interpreted his own dreams, but he will soon be interpreting the dreams of others. God not only works through dreams, he works through circumstances. In Genesis 40, Joseph found himself in prison along with the cupbearer and baker of the king. They both had dreams, but didn't understand them, and so they had come to Joseph for help. Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. You see, Joseph believed God gave him, will give him the answer. And so they told Joseph their dreams and he told them what they had meant. And in Genesis 41, two years later, Joseph stuck his neck out again this time in front of Pharaoh. And Pharaoh was no ordinary person. It was the king himself who had summoned Joseph. The stakes are really high. If he says something wrong, he could lose his life. Now Joseph stands before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh says, I hear that you can interpret dreams. Joseph replies, No, I can't. God can. Tell me the dreams. God will give the interpretation. Just tell me your dreams. God will give you the answer. What is it that made Joseph so bold and confident? I think it can only be his faith in God, faith that believes when others don't. Thirdly, faith holds on when life gets tough. Jacob had sent Joseph to look for his brothers out in the fields. Verse 14 Go and see if all is well with your brothers. You see, his brothers had laid an ambush for him. They waited for the right moment. And that moment came when they saw him in the distance. And when Joseph drew nearer, they said, Verse 20 Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. 
and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. They had wanted to get rid of this dreamer, this dreamer brother, once and for all. Now Joseph didn't know his brothers had planned to kill him, but God knows and God intervenes. Reuben and Judah were at the right place at the right time. This was no pure coincidence. God is behind the scene working this all out for good. Verse 21 When Reuben heard this, when Reuben heard that his brothers wanted to kill Joseph, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Just dump him in the pit, scare the life out of him. So when Joseph came near, they did just that. Stripped him of his coat and threw him into the well. And the well was empty, preventing him from being drowned. In verse 25, in seeing a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead, they were on their way to Egypt. Judah then came up with an idea, thinking of making some quick money. Come, let's sell him and not lay our hands on him. And all the brothers agreed. So they sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him down to Egypt. Verse 36, meanwhile in Egypt, the Midianites sold Joseph to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. Humanly speaking, the situation now appears impossible. So much for his dreams now. His dreams are crushed. His hopes are all dashed. Everything seems lost. To our human mind, Joseph will now spend the rest of his life slaving for his master in Egypt, unless God does something to save him. And God does. Life is hard, and Christians are not exempt. Brothers and sisters, Sometimes life can bring us all sorts of hardship, even if we never asked for them. When life gets tough, when we hit our lows, when we are at our rock bottom, at the bottom of the pit, that's when our faith gets tested. We can all imagine what Joseph is going through when he was thrown into the well. There's no one around. His brothers have abandoned him. They are nearby, but then they pretend they can't hear his cries. He's all alone by himself down, curled up in a corner, and he's crying wondering when and if he will ever get out. Everything seems so hopeless, 
it's dark and filthy, and he begins to get hungry and thirsty. His only hope is for someone to pass by and rescue him. The situation really seems impossible, but Joseph is desperate to live, so he holds on. I think we can all relate to Joseph in many ways. We know this feeling of desperation and despair, the times when we are forced into a corner and we know we can do nothing to save ourselves but pray. But to be honest, we don't often pray. I'm equally guilty of that. We don't pray enough when life is easy. We take things for granted. But it's different now. We have no one to turn to in our crisis but to God. Do you realize how each of us pray so much more during this pandemic? We have no one to run to. We run quickly to God. For those of us who know God, we must thank Him. We cry out to Him and thank God. God is faithful and merciful. God always answers when we call out to Him. God hears our prayers. He hears your cries and your pleas. God is more ready to act than we are to pray. God sees our anguish. He sees our inner struggles. And many a times God uses people to reach out to us to save us. And very often in these seemingly impossible situations, that's when help comes and we are then drawn closer to God. We learn that God is sovereign and in control. Lessons we would not otherwise learn if we have not been in the pit. Our faith grows stronger as a result of that. Yes, we all believe God is sovereign, and if He is sovereign and in control, why didn't He stop Joseph from being sold? I think that's a valid question. The answer is we don't know. God could have, but He didn't. We don't have the answers. We don't have all the answers. We don't have to have all the answers to life, and that's okay. Because God is the one who has all the answers, and we can trust Him. God had other plans, better plans for Joseph which were yet to unfold. We must trust that God is at work, however desperate we get. It may take time, but God knows best. It took Joseph 20 years to find out that he was the one to save his family from famine. Only then did he realize what the brothers meant for evil, God meant for good. I have personally learned this precious lesson. Faith holds on 
when things get tough. I remind myself that God is sovereign in all things, that I will continue to trust Him, whatever comes, that He may lead me forward. Proverbs 3 verses 5 and 6 is my favourite. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Oh yes, we need to trust in the Lord. In the one who knows and has all the answers to life. And we need to trust Him with all our heart. Not half heart, not quarter heart, but with a full heart. And lean not unto your own understanding. We are just human and our understanding is limited. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. Yes, we need to acknowledge that God is the creator of all of life. And we need to acknowledge too, we are not God. And so we don't have all the answers. But He has. And He shall then direct your path. And God has never disappointed. Joseph's story is a remarkable story of a life of faith. And we find his name amongst the heroes of faith in Hebrews 11. Today, we learn three things about faith. One, faith demands doing what is right, not what is easy. We do what is right no matter the consequences simply because we believe it is the right thing to do. Two, faith believes when others don't. Like Joseph, our faith does not depend on others. Our personal conviction is all that matters. No one can sway us in our belief. I believe in Jesus. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. And lastly, faith holds on when life gets tough. Our faith is not in ourselves or anyone else or even in circumstances. Our faith is in God. We need to trust God that He will intervene and know that help can come in many ways. God works in many wondrous ways, ways we cannot think or even imagine. And tough times may just be one of those ways to strengthen our faith and deepen our relationship with Him. Let us pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and speaking into our lives this morning. Thank you for the gift of faith and the story of Joseph. Lord, we pray you will give us faith and courage to do what is right. When we doubt you and when we are rejected by family and friends, strengthen our faith to believe and trust that you will lead us. And when life gets tough, 
Help us to hold on to our faith and know that you always intervene and help can come in many ways. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And now for your self-reflection and discussion in your small groups, here are three questions that you may ponder over. One, faith demands doing what is right, believing when others don't, and holding on when life gets tough. Which of these aspects of faith that you struggle with most? Two, in what ways can you strengthen your faith in God when you are rejected and betrayed? And three, how do you handle bottom-of-the-pit experiences in your life? Do you find you have grown in your faith as a result?